Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Good morning. How are we all? We are, um, you can't actually tell on the camera, we're smaller in number today, or intimate as we might call it, an intimate number. It's a gorgeous bank holiday, so if you're at home, welcome. Um, We love that you watch at home and we love that you're in the building. Um, And whenever you watch this, we're all one church, right? Isn't it amazing how we do church right now? Right, Barnet. I really did run home, by the way. I shouldn't have run. Anyway, so so, um, today we're starting a new series um, on... Well, actually, I'll I'll hold off telling you the title for a second because um, we've been on quite a journey as a church and we've had two previous series um, and they felt very timely. I don't know about you, but for us as a team, they felt very timely. Um, So we, we had a series called Exploring Church Discipleship and we went inwards, we looked at our emotions and how, what it meant to be an emotionally healthy church. We used that book. Um, we then moved on in January, I believe, looking at church foundations, looking at the Church of Acts and how they did things first. And um, we actually spent a little bit of time thinking about what our next series was going to be. We don't want to just do things for the sake of doing them, but we want to do them because we want to feel like God's in it. And so we had a very mini-series, actually, on the Holy Spirit that Nathan felt, actually, we just needed to, to re-examine and have a, have a look at Holy Spirit. And now, um, we want to look at something a bit more practical. In fact, very, very practical. And I want to ask you this question, which is, have you ever felt a disconnect with your Sunday to the rest of your week? Have you ever been like, I've heard so much stuff on the Sunday. You've taught me so much. Thank you. You've taught me a load of stuff about the Bible, all of these things. But how, how does that actually affect my everyday life? What does that actually mean? What does it practically mean? I understand that God loves me. I understand that he wants me to use me for his glory. But what does that look like in our day-to-day life? And so we're starting a new series called God in My Living. If you know the song, which I believe Sue's going to sing later, which we won't sing every week as like our theme tune, but there's a song that is a, there is a song called God in My Living, and it goes, God in my living, God in my dreaming, God in my sleeping, God in my WhatsApping, something like that. It kind of continues, continues on. That would be the, probably the, the updated version. But we just want to take a look and go, what does it really practically mean? What does it mean to have God in our day-to-day lives? What does it mean to, to walk, live, and breathe every day? but God be in it, that it's not a separate thing, that we don't, we don't want to become holier than now people, do we? But we also don't want to leave our Sunday personas to live the rest of the week and pick them back up on a Sunday. Because that's not right. We want to be whole people who live out our faith wholly and holily, probably. That's a new word for the dictionary. We won't try it again. But um, <laughs> there's a really brilliant verse in the message Version, which is not my favorite translation, but I think they've nailed this verse. And it says this It says, Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Let me read that again. Here's what I want you to do God helping you. Take your everyday, 
ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. And that's our heart with this next series. This, by the way, is, is very much an intro sermon. We're going to be really going into very specific things, like really specific things. Um, I'm now just trying to think of the ones we've got lined up. But God in our, in our marriage, God in our singleness, God in our, um, in our theology, God in our, I don't know, Sue, help me out. God in our well-being, God in our physical well-being, God in our mental well-being. We're literally going to try and take everything. And this series might go on for the next six decades. But <laughs> we might pause and restart at different points. But we're going to say, what does it really mean? Because we don't just want to be Christians on a Sunday. And we also just don't want to be, we don't want to have sections of our life. But we want to be fully, fully influenced by God in everything we do. That he would have our sleeping, our eating, our going to work and walking around life. God helping you. I love actually, um, it was a bit of a coincidence that we've come up a Holy Spirit series, but that's the only way this is possible is by God helping you. Holy Spirit with you. It's not possible without Holy Spirit. That's the first thing before we go into this. It's the first thing we need to understand that without Holy Spirit, it's an absolutely ridiculous point. There's just no point even trying. If you're not going to do it with God helping you, just go back to sleep. Honestly, it's not worth it. It's, um, we need Holy Spirit in this. In order to live our day-to-day lives with God, we need God. Um, I've um, loved, actually, what Nathan and Sue have brought in the Holy Spirit series. And um, I actually love the quotes that they found. They've both pulled out different quotes from different places, and I'm going to re-say them, because I think they're worth re-hearing. Um, the first one is from Tim Keller, which says this, that the first advocate... Jesus is speaking to God for you, but the second advocate, Holy Spirit, is speaking to you for you. Holy Spirit was sent so that this verse, this taking your life, God helping you, would be made possible. That Holy Spirit would indwell in all that we do. I love that Nathan brought the the, the, um, quote from Bill Johnson, which is, Holy Spirit, he's in you for you. He's on you for others. And we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that the Holy Spirit lives in us and works through us for other people. Because (laughs) we don't just want it for us, right? I mean, you might. But don't we want it for those around us too? We want it for those around us that, that our lives would be a fragrance um, as I've just mentioned, I ran home because I live in the building. So uh, um, I, I've lived in the building for almost, probably just a little over a year now. And for most of that time, it's been fully locked down. So I've really pretty much been the only one in the building, bar when Sue and Nathan walk in. And um, so it's pretty predictable when there will be people in the building and when there won't be. Apart from um, wonderful Sally, who is just the most wonderful human ever, comes in, lets herself in and waters our plants for us. These are just a few of the wonderful collection we have. Uh, We keep um, multiplying plants, and I am not sad about it. If you go, every room we go into, there seems to be a new plant. Um, Most of them are my purchasing. But uh, I keep buying new plants. We definitely needed all of them. But Sally comes in, and um, she waters all her plants. And I know when Sally's been in, or when Sally hasn't been in, by her perfume, 
So I'll literally come downstairs and I'll be like, Sally is here. I can smell her. And, and she might be the other, honestly, she, sometimes she's the other side of the building. She hasn't made it across to me yet. And by the way, it's not overpowering. She doesn't wear too much perfume. It's just, there's just a distinctive smell about her, about her perfume. It's the most glorious scent. And I think that's how we're meant to be as Christians. That we're meant to be a fragrance to the world around us. In fact, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. He says... Now, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? Our lives, first and foremostly, will always be lived as a fragrance to God. Always, first and foremost, we live our lives for the Holy One, for the one who gave us life. That's where we live our life. But a byproduct of that is that it is a fragrance to others. I want to caveat, I didn't quite know where to put this point, so this, we're just going to shove it in here. It doesn't quite flow nicely. But how people respond to you actually isn't your, your job. That's not actually your job. It's, it says it quite clearly here. Some people you'll smell awful to. We're going to have to deal with that. Sometimes, for some people, the fragrance of Christ is a smell of death and doom. They're not ready for it. But for others, it's a sweet perfume. And I would like to say that, that we don't know to who it will be a sweet perfume and to who it won't be. We just have to live our life accordingly. We live our lives firstly for God, but we live our lives for others too. Paul asked in this, who is adequate? It's us. Because we have been commissioned by God. Because we've been commissioned by God. Because he's empowered us with his Holy Spirit. And uh, because we have Christ's authority to speak and live. That's what makes us adequate. We are being equipped with everything we need to be a sweet perfume to the world around us. But... My question for you this morning is, will you be a sweet perfume? Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In view of God's mercy, um, those Bible linking phrases actually have more importance than sometimes we give emphasis to. What he's saying here, Paul, is in view of God's mercy, i.e. everything that I've just listed in the previous 11 chapters, in view of all of that, in view of all of who God is, in view of all of that, I lost my place, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. John Stott writes this, he says, what, however, is this living sacrifice, this rational, spiritual worship? It is not to be offered in the temple courts or in the church building, but rather in the home life and in the marketplace. It is the presentation of our bodies to God. A living sacrifice is us. It's all that we are. It's our whole life. You know, it's not a mistake that Paul mentions the body, by the way. He's speaking to you into a Greek culture and Greek culture and viewed the body just as a 
conduit, a capsule for the soul. It wasn't anything to write home about. It was, it was almost like an embarrassment to have a body. But Paul writes, no, we, we, we go with the Hebraic thought, which is a whole unit. Our body, our whole self has to be offered. It's a unit. We need to offer all of us our walking around life our driving life, our arguing, our interacting, our politics, our um, dating, our marriage, our drinking, our socialising, our uh, spending, our responses, all of it to be offered. (laughs) I don't know about you, but um, I think I'm the least Christian when I get behind my car. Just also, I like that God likes to pull me up on this because I swear nine times out of ten, every time I cut someone up on the road, they are from FBC. Like, without fail. I did it yesterday. I was, in, I was in Redfield's car park, and I was in a rush to get my sister back to the train. And so I just nipped around someone when they were reversing. It was really awful. Anyway, they go to this church, and um, <laughs> I'm very sorry that I stopped you reversing so quickly. Um, but, we, but we do, don't we? We need our whole life, you know? I, I'm working on my driving life. I'm really working on it. Our whole life. And you know, no matter what we do, we will, we will uh, fragrant something. I don't know what the verb is to fragrance, but we will, f- we, will, we will emit some sort of fragrance, whatever you want it to be. I remember growing up in school, um, I went to, um, I used to be part of a band, uh, like just, you know, like an orchestra. I played clarinet. So I'd go every Wednesday to band practice and... Um, for, for context, my, my school had a very active Christian union, and they were very well known in school as really judgy people. They would, they would just go around and just, just comment on everyone else's sin. And so um, despite being a very, very active Christian, I did not associate with them, really, because I didn't like it. Um, and I, um, at band practice, I had a friend um, who was a Satanist, and we'd sit together um, we both, uh, one, I think I played clarinet and she played the bassoon, but we sat next to each other. Um, and she said to me one day, she said, you're my favourite Christian. I said, thank you. Um, I said, just out of interest, why? And she said, well, you don't, you don't tell me I'm going to hell. And um, as, just as a sort of response, I said, well, you're a Satanist. I thought you'd enjoy that prospect. But I think actually... <laughs> It's just generally what, that's my sense of humour for you. Very, very dry. But um, what I actually think she was saying to me in that moment was, thank you for not condemning me. Without really trying, my life had become a fragrance. That's a nice story about me. I'll go on to tell you a not-so-great story about my fragrance, because I think it's only balanced. Um, my sister came down yesterday... And aren't our families the best at pointing out when we don't smell great? Both probably when we actually don't smell great, but also like when our lives don't smell great. And my sister consistently, she is someone who is... I said to her yesterday, I said, Esther, one of your best traits is that you're honest. So it's one of the worst things to deal with about you, but you are honest. And it's one of her best... Honestly, it's one of her best traits. She won't ever listen to this, so it's okay. But uh, it's one of her best traits. And she will call me out when I do not live up to a great standard. And, she, and she'll just be like, even yesterday, she, she cut my hair for me yesterday. Um, and as, as we're talking, literally, she's just chopping. Ch- I say something, she goes, I don't like how you said that. 
like in the moment. She's like, I don't like how you said that. She's like, it's not great, and challenges me on it. And honestly, that's probably 90% of our conversation is her challenging me on different things. Because we're sisters, and that's how we, we shorthand with each other. But my life, whether I choose to or not, it emits a fragrance. It just does. My sister's very quick to call me out on when it doesn't smell great. What are you, what perfume are you offering up? I really wish I'd thought of a word for fragranting. That's, by the end of the message, I'll work out a good verb to use. But um, I, think, I think the key in all of this is it's yielding your life to God, every part of it. Just as a real aside, when, when Esther came down at Christmas, we, um, she stayed with me for sort of two, three weeks at Christmas so we could spend Christmas together. And so we went food shopping, and Esther lives in London. And I don't know if you... For those of you who work in the city, I imagine when you get to London, there's like a mindset you put on about how you walk around the city. And Yvonne's nodding. My sister um, has lived in London and, and doesn't, she doesn't travel in. She lives in London. She never goes home. So she, she doesn't know about walking around supermarkets. It's different in London to here. So, and we went to go do our Christmas shop. We went to the, the big Sainsbury's and uh, we're walking around. And I was like, Esther, you've got to yield. You need to calm it down. Because she's walking around like, like she's rushing to get a train or something. Like the bread aisle's like some like fighting in the tube or something. And I'm like, Esther, you've got to yield. You've got to give way to people. That's what it means. It's to, to give way and bless Esther. She's then spent the rest of the shopping trip just like parking herself up and waiting for me to come get her again because she didn't know how to walk around. But then, like genuinely, I'd just walk around the corner and she'd just be there by the crumpets or something just like waiting for me to come back and get her because she didn't know how to move anymore. Um, but our life is yielding to give way, to offer it up. In Romans 3, Paul makes it plain that our bodies, it's, it's the worst of us or it's the best of us. Our lips, they bring life or they bring death. No worship is pleasing to God, which is purely inward, abstract or mystical. It must express itself in the concrete act of service performed by our bodies. That's what John Stott says. I think as humans, we're really good at holding things back, that we offer God some, not all. I think we're really good at just doing it in general life, actually, that we offer some of ourselves, not all of ourselves. But will you give all of yourself? And when, when you find a bit that you haven't given, will you give that to you? I think as we go on in this series, this is, as I said, a real intro, we're going to come across subjects, and you might dismiss them as something that you don't need to work out how to have God allowed into that you I don't know maybe maybe you feel like you've got your your marriage down and God doesn't need to come into that maybe you feel like you've got your politics down God doesn't need access to it I'm just going to invite you as we go through this series to allow God to challenge you and say have you yielded that to me yet have you given me access because I want to tell you that Holy Spirit is a gentleman God's a gentleman or a, or a lady. They're, they are polite. They're not going to go somewhere where they don't have permission. They will, they will come rushing in when you offer it. But if you don't give them permission, they will not access. 
They don't beat down the door. They have to be allowed in. Will you give them everything? I remember being 13, I think, and God said, will you give me what you watch on TV? And honestly, as, as a teenager, I, I was walking a really thin, like, there wasn't many things I felt I could do. I, um, I, the place I grew up was an incredibly drug-ridden, drinking-fueled, tons of teenage pregnancies. And, I, and I, I lived a very good Christian life. Most people would approve of it. But God said, can I have, the t- can I have your TV watching? I was like, that's one of my areas that I, I do whatever I want, God. He said, can I have it? Which seems really simple. It might seem really simple, but honestly, it was like one of my only places that I could work out what to talk about with my friends. That there's these certain programs that I'd watch and we could joke about. And I was like, God, I, I don't know if I could give you that. Because, because what if they think I'm a weirdo? More than they probably already do. You know, later in life, God asked me whether I would give up my right to be right. That's, that's a hard one, right? I was, um, I, won't, I won't tell you what situation because this is live streamed, but there was a situation in my life where I was fully in the right. I had every right to be angry. I had every right to, be, to, to, to hold my own, to not forgive. To, I was right. If, you went, if we went to law, there wouldn't have even been a, like, been to, to a court. No lawyer would have argued the other person's case. No one would have. It wasn't like two of one and half a dozen of the other. It was, I was right. As you can tell by my passion behind it. But I had to give up my right to be right. Will you give God everything? Your life speaks. Your life admits a fragrance. Tom Crandall, who actually wrote a book, called Your Life Speaks, says this. He says, Jesus' ultimate goal was not just to die for our sins. He came to find a people through whom he could live his life. Yes, he came to save us from sin, death, and hell, but many stop there and just wait to go to heaven. The point of salvation isn't to go to heaven when we die. It's to get heaven in us so that we can take it to the rest of the planet. So here is um, Sue and Yvonne come back up. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Why don't we stand in the building? Why don't you, I don't know, find a position at home, position to respond I'm just going to pray a really simple prayer. It's actually the words of a song. I'm mostly praying songs because that's the way that I work. That's the way my mind works. But it just goes like this. So let's pray together. Father, would you take my life? And would it, would you let it be? Everything all of me. Here I am. Use me for your glory. And in everything I say and do, 
let my life honor you. Here I am. Use me for your glory. Holy Spirit, right now I just invite you into all of my life. I invite you into the parts where I've not surrendered yet. I want to be a living sacrifice. I want you to take my everyday, ordinary life. I want to place it before you as an offering. In my sleeping, in my driving, in my working, in my dreaming, everything, in the good and the bad, I offer it to you now. And I pray over these coming weeks as we look at different things, as you highlight things that you are still wanting access to that I've yet to give you permission to, would you help me as I continue to yield? In your name we pray.